It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal. Our loyal listeners will know that for weeks I have been promising that we would get to the stories about how Republicans have been enabling the number one historic killer of Americans. And no, it's not Donald Trump. It's corporate America. Well, we keep getting preempted week after week by more tragic comedy news coming out of the Trump White House. And I haven't been able to get to that story. Well, today I'm happy to announce... Well, sorry, we're going to try to have another episode, fit another episode in during the week between news cycles, because once again, we're going to get preempted by the news and we're going to get preempted by this strange, this foreign, this unbelievably scary feeling that I've been having over the last week or so. And that feeling is something that I have not encountered in recent memory, and that is hope. Today's show will be focused on hope and why it scares the shit out of me. Shockingly, much of the source of that hope is the news. Spoiler alert, don't get me wrong, it's not all good news. In fact, it is just the glimmer of hope in what is otherwise such a bleak landscape that has me so scared right now. I'm feeling like the terminally ill patient who's given the hope that there's possibility that he can pull through. I feel like the patient suffering from tremendous depression who's given a new medication and hope that he might start to feel a little bit better. Yes, I'm possibly seeing light at the end of the tunnel and that is when we're the most vulnerable. For Three and a half years at this point, like most thinking Americans, I've been living in a kind of numbness as I go through the unparalleled catastrophe of the Donald Trump administration. And that's why it's starting to worry me that I'm starting to see reason around me to feel hopeful for the future of this country. Don't worry, I won't dwell on it for too long. Yeah, let, let's start with another, this week, another hope-inducing ruling from the United States Supreme Court? The United States Supreme Court ruling in the past week that Trump cannot immediately end DACA protections? Protections for the dreamers? Clarence and Sammy on the Supreme Court must be just absolutely pulling what's left of their hair out. Finding, going up against the absolutely immovable obstacle that is interfering with what they must have thought was the near completion of their radical right-wing agenda. And that immovable object that stands in the way of their promised land is not just their colleagues. It's more than that. It's the American public, as I pointed out last week about the Supreme Court. Don't get hopeful about the Supreme Court other than, once again, the United States Supreme Court indicates that it really doesn't want to be roadkill for a social movement it cannot stand in the way of. And that is remarkably hopeful. This ruling was 5-4, to four, with Chief Justice Roberts joining the four 
Uh, they were often referred to as liberal. I, I can't refer to them as, as four liberals. They're not four liberals. Um, moderates, not necessarily. Uh, the four, the, the human, the four human justices on the United States support, Supreme Court, the ones who are capable of feeling empathy for another human being and who understand the awesome responsibility of their role as justices. Roberts has joined those four in ruling against Donald Trump's what he defined as arbitrary and capricious. That's important because that's the legal standard. Efforts to end DACA protections. Arbitrary and capricious. Let me see if I could put this in legal terms. Uh, he pulled it out of his ass. He obviously pulled it out of his ass. And there are some rules preventing the president of the United States to pull United States policy, especially as it affects millions of people who have come to rely on that policy, out of his ass. Um, so he ruled with the other four justices that Trump's efforts to immediately end DACA were arbitrary and capricious and therefore violated the law. Of course, with that standard, if you're going to apply arbitrary and capricious to something the Trump administration does, you've just entirely invalidated the Trump administration. Since it is clear that there is absolutely nothing that is done by that administration that is not arbitrary and capricious. All right, almost nothing anyway. In fact, one can argue that if you use arbitrary and capricious as a standard, you've pretty much invalidated the entire conservative movement in America. Oh, no, wait, I'm sorry. That's a different standard. That's not arbitrary and capricious. That's predatory and vicious. If, if you just apply the predatory and vicious standard, you would get rid of the entire conservative movement in America. Well, let's hope. Again, Roberts' decision was not indicative of the fact that John Roberts is becoming a thoughtful moderate on the United States Supreme Court. It is an indication that John Roberts, as the Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court, whose name will forever be associated with the current court, does not want that court to be discredited for the f entire future of the United States, however long that might be, given the 2020 elections. So Roberts has just seen the writing on the wall. Again, the bellwether idea from the United States Supreme Court. Another huge decision that, as many commentators have pointed out, will allow dreamers to at least breathe a temporary sigh of relief that they not, may not be thrown out of the only home they've, that many of them have ever known to be sent to a home they've never seen and do not know at all, where their families have always been, where they, in many cases, have always been. A reminder, as the hope seeps in and I get scared, one of the reasons I get scared is that I'm worried about complacency, as I've been worried about complacency that I see around me, sometimes including with me, with the COVID virus and, and what we're seeing as a result of that. I am really worried about complacency sometime before the November election. As I keep pointed out, the radical right morons will not get complacent. They've got nothing better to do than to be angry and to act on that anger. It's the rest of us that tend to get complacent because we've got other things on our minds. The only way to keep up this momentum is to keep the bulldozer running over whatever obstacles get in its path, including, you can bet, the United States Supreme Court which has a lot of mayhem still to be done before the end of the current term. Of course, I'm upbeat in part because that's not the only part of the radical right agenda that's being steamrolled. 
as we see success successes mounting from the current protests for racial and social justice. More on that in a few minutes. We're, we're seeing polls now with showing Donald Trump getting absolutely slaughtered. I remarked, I think last week, maybe a couple weeks ago, about how remarkable it's been, according to experts, how Joe Biden's lead has been so consistent across America for many months now. Apparently, basically unheard of and something that's been giving decent people a lot of reason for hope. Well, they're not, his lead is not consistent anymore. Uh, His lead has gone up dramatically again, according to recent polls that show him slaughtering Trump at the polls, not just nationally, but in key battleground states, winning handily. I'm starting to get up hope that if we keep the steamroller rolling, we could see Donald Trump get run over by it, figuratively speaking, speaking only of voting now, in November of 2020. In a big nationwide poll reported in the New York Times, Joe Biden is leading Trump by 14 points nationwide. And again, that's reason for optimism. But at the same time, I get scared because I have to remind myself, 14 points against this arbitrary and capricious, predatory and vicious, incompetent criminal son of a bitch? The latest poll has it 50-36 in favor of Biden with 14%. Apparently asking what a Donald Trump is. Um, how the hell are 14% of people either on the fence or frankly supporting anybody who might help throw the election to Donald Trump? How the hell are 36% of Americans still saying to people, to strangers, to human beings that they will go to the polls in another few months and pull a lever, figuratively speaking in most cases, for Donald J. Trump? And yet... This is a historic margin at this point. Just keep the steamroller going because I am really worried about complacency. Why else am I worried about complacency and yet finding hope? Ironic? Trump continues to read from the totalitarian playbook this week. That's the scary part. I'm still having a conversation in my my summer classes about comparing Donald Trump to the Nazis and the Trump administration to the Nazis. And continuing to argue, as I am on on the pod and my show, this is absolutely appropriate. In fact, it's completely inappropriate to do otherwise. That's what never again means, is that you stop it before he starts murdering millions of people. The guy continues, well, all right, I said read from the totalitarian playbook. I suppose to be fair, it is unfair to use the words read and book in a sentence about Donald Trump. So that, that's true. So one can assume that someone has read to him, interjecting his name, put, putting his name in a whole lot, because that's apparently the only way he likes to have things read to him. Uh, someone has read to him from the totalitarian, play, totalitarian playbook. In another Friday night, if more Friday night mayhem, Trump has fired the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, Jeffrey Berman, for having the temerity to actually investigate and bring charges against Trump cronies to not make things go away when Donald Trump has indicated that he wants things to go away. They're paying lip service to other reasons why this guy was fired, but they can't even get their story straight. So make no mistake, this guy was fired for having the temerity to try to do his job and enforce United States law. 
The man, Jeffrey Berman, who was just fired. Wait, he quit. Oh, no, he was fired. Wait, did he quit? Or Yeah, he was fired, of course. You've, you've all read about that little sideshow about how he, how he was terminated. Uh, was, in fact, a Trump lackey, a, a Trump tool. This is a hand-picked Trump appointee. And I guess here, it, the reminder, and again, going against the, the theme of hopefulness, I guess, for today's show, a reminder of the difference between an early Trump tool versus a late Trump tool. We are reminded that early in the Trump administration, he was scraping the bottom of the barrel in who he filled his administration with and made his appointments with. But since that time, they've dug deeper into the barrel. And the bottom of the barrel has gone even deeper and murkier and muddier. So it turns out, as we're seeing throughout his administration, that the early appointees, as disgraceful as they were, have way too much integrity, such as that is, for the current position of the Trump administration. So Donald Trump attempted to replace Jeffrey Berman, in case you missed this, with an even bigger tool, Jay Clayton, head of the SEC, another Trump appointee, a man with absolutely no prosecutorial prosecutorial experience, in fact, no experience in a courtroom at all. Someone who is completely unqualified for a U.S. attorney post, one of the most prestigious and important posts in United States law enforcement. Although I do have to take a moment again to remind everybody of Chris Christie, the man who was one of the other, one of the previous worst and most despicable United States attorney appointments. Before this, a man who was not qualified to become the United States attorney in New Jersey and only was appointed, which led to so much success after that, including governor of New Jersey and guy who was screwed over by Trump. Uh, he only got it because of 9-11. As I've pointed out, making Chris Christie and Rudy Giuliani the two people in America who get to say more than anybody else, I owe it to 9-11. But anyway... Let's not go down that path right now. It turns out that Trump was thwarted in his effort to stick a tool into this prestigious position and to basically just destroy investigations in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. And instead of getting this Jay Clayton and instead of getting a temporary fill-in, a lackey that he wanted... What we've gotten is a respected deputy right now, Audrey Strauss, in is the U.S. attorney, and she's come in going full speed in investigating and bringing actions against cronies that Trump may not be real happy about. People are pointing out that this is reminiscent of the Saturday Night Massacre under the Nixon administration, where Nixon uh, wanted to fire the special prosecutor and ordered uh, his attorney general to do so while necessitating two firings before he found some basically solicitous hack, conservative hack, who was willing to do the firing for him to try to stop justice. The man he found, of course, uh, going on to a future of being nominated to the United States Supreme Court and angering conservatives when his nomination was denied. Can you believe it? How could liberals have possibly denied the nomination to the United States Supreme Court of a man of such integrity as Robert Bork, the guy who committed the Saturday Night Massacre? But I'm not sure that the greater analogy here 
isn't again with Nazi Germany and other totalitarian regimes, to be fair. That may be the better analogy because this is all about you want to take over power and become a totalitarian president and be able to do whatever you want to do to destroy your country. The first thing you need to do is completely defang law enforcement and make it your own. Well, for now at least, he's not succeeding. Again, I worry about complacency. Anyway, on the good news, bad news front, update on COVID. And have you read that as the time I'm recording this, United States COVID cases have grown to the highest level since April, setting new records in many, many states. Or, um, as Donald Trump describes it, uh, the virus is fading away. Or as Vice President Mike Pence describes it, we're a a okay Things are going in the right direction. We're doing great. All according to plan. That was Vice President Pence in the Wall Street Journal. Well, in fact, things are just getting worse. Getting so much worse that the EU apparently is considering banning United States travelers from entering the European Union. That's right. As we jokingly, sort of jokingly suggested last week, the rest of the world is going to have to build a wall to keep the United States out. Just remember, though, Trump supporters, don't forget to sign those waivers. That's the important thing. Everything's good, but don't forget to sign those waivers. Anyway, as COVID cases reach new highs in America, even here, I'm finding some reason for hope. Um, there's a, there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, we, we don't, we now know we don't have to worry with all the health effects. At least we don't have to worry about the state of the economy. What with the fact that our economy is currently being buoyed by the more than $1.4 billion in relief money being given to dead people. You know that spending by those dead people is going to keep our economy moving along quite nicely. Uh, as long as those dead people don't get to vote, that's the important thing. Yes, the Trump administration bringing government accountability and integrity, competent government back, has managed to deliver more than $1.4 billion in relief money to dead people. Let's hope it hits its mark and helps our economy. But the other reason, maybe the main reason I'm finding hopefulness in these numbers, and this is, I almost feel guilty saying this, is where it's hitting in America. And where it's hitting, if you look at a map of America and the places where it's rising and the places where it's going down, it is remarkable. It looks like an electoral college map. The places where COVID is going up, red states. Places where it's going down, blue states. Look. Am I hoping for red states, for Trump supporters in red states to get sick? Well, that's a hard one. Um, Probably, well, hmm, I'm torn again because they could infect thinking people. Um, And so I, I can't take too much glee out of the fact that these jackasses are now getting sick. But what I can take more obvious glee out of is the fact that the fact that this is happening in red states 
is really kind of sending the F you to the denialists, the cultists, the people who live in an alternative reality, and the people whose job it is to promote those who keep people living in alternative reality, the cultists. It is fun watching in red states Republican Trump-backing governors, like we're seeing right now in Texas, backtrack and slow down their plans to reopen and basically undermine everything Trump has been saying and they have been saying by echoing him, the cult leader, for months. Well, weeks, if not months. It is fun to watch them scramble, uh, to watch the fake reality bubble burst with them still inside of it. So yeah, I'm getting a certain amount of schadenfreude through this. Maybe at some point, a certain amount of reality will creep in even to the reddest of red areas in America. But anyway, speaking of deadly global pandemics, let's not forget when we talk about the big news of the week, the Donald Trump campaign rally bust. Yes, Trump had his big campaign rally on what he wants to now turn into June 20th, June 8th, I guess, national holiday where Trump had his big Tulsa rally that turned out to be basically a bust. Yeah, it didn't quite answer the question, what happens if you have a white supremacist burn a cross in the woods and there's nobody there to smell it? Does it give off heat? We, we don't quite have that question being asked because there were a bunch of white supremacists who showed up, just not nearly the numbers that Donald Trump thought there were going to be. Not nearly the numbers he'd been promised there were going to be. Oh, heads are rolling at this point. And more importantly than that, speaking of schadenfreude, Donald Trump has probably spent a couple of sleepless nights over this. What a damn shame. Uh, apparently, a lot of the people who were expected to attend the Trump rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, had booked cruises instead. Uh, they couldn't pass up good deals on a cruise, and they'd gone ahead and booked passage on cruises instead of showing up for the unprotected Trump rally. Well, by not showing up, these people missed Donald Trump's racist rants. And uh, some, of the, some of the fun to report on, the AP reported um, a quote here. I, I loved seeing this in, in the AP. There's really only one strategy left for him, speaking of Donald Trump, and that is to propel that rage and anger and try to split the society and see if he can have a tribal leadership win here. Yes, the only strategy left to Trump is racism, rage, anger, splitting America. Although, to be fair, that's in contrast with what other strategy that he has employed during his tenure. I love that the only strategy left for him, uh, you know, not like all those other ones that he'd been employing for years. This pretty much describes his only strategy since he came down that escalator a few years ago. But anyway, who said those sharp, inspiring words? Former Trump advisor, Anthony Scaramucci, the Mooch. Yeah, the guy with the nickname, proud nickname, the Mooch. Anthony Scaramucci. What was that? That was the, what was it, like six days he was Trump's director of communications? Uh... Something like that. It's hard to remember. They go by so quickly. 
But I thought the fun part here was not only that Trump's former advisor saying this. By the way, uh, editor's note here, disclaimer, who gives a shit what Anthony Scaramucci says? When you have a history as a liar, a, a highly paid liar, people shouldn't be quoting you. But I, I wanted to do this not so much for the quote, but I, I just... I, I couldn't miss this part of the AP report, and this was just wonderful. Um, Anthony Scaramucci said that quote on CNN's, quote, reliable sources, close quote. CNN apparently has a show called Reliable Sources. And the only thing I know about this show is that it had the mooch on it. <laughs> wow. Talk about some clever naming. Uh, who's next? Kaylee McEnany? They're going to book her for reliable sources? Anyway, um, other things that, that the Trump supporters missed as Donald Trump tried to enrage them and anger them. Donald Trump's great, cute line, the Kung Flu, referring to coronavirus as Kung Flu. No racism there. Uh, no offensive terminology in referring to it as Kung Flu. Kaylee McEnany tried to walk that one back. It's nice to see that that lying piece of shit is finally earning some money these days. They missed the President of the United States attack Congresswoman Ilhan Omar and pretty much everyone else who might be an opponent of his or opposition to him. And he attacked Ilhan Omar, U.S. Congresswoman, for effectively being an African-American. Did you miss that? That was funny. He, he had some fun with that and where her family came from. Yes, not going to be any racism here. Nothing to worry about here. Uh, but of course, the, the line from the Trump rally that has gotten the most attention, when you do testing to that extent, when you're, go, you're going to find more people, you're going to find more cases, Donald Trump said at his campaign rally. So I said to my people, Slow the testing down, please. That's right. Another reminder that reality has a well-known liberal bias. And that is what the Republicans are up against. And that is what Americans are up against. Because the only way Republican wins, Republicans win is by lying to all of the rest of us. Well, uh, it turns out the administration immediately tried to walk back Donald Trump's statement saying once again, that Donald Trump was only joking. And you know, one of, the, one of the great ironies of the Trump presidency is this man that has no apparent sense of humor at all is joking all the time. Like every time the guy opens his mouth, his administration comes out a few minutes later and says, yep, there was another one. The guy wants, to, he wants his next gig to be hosting The Tonight Show, I think. And he's, he's trying out all his new material. Anyway, even Trump undermined his own advisors trying to walk that one back, saying, no, I'm not really joking. Uh, I'm speaking to my racist and angry supporters, and I just want them to know that the cult leader has spoken and they should just do whatever I say because I have a really good time watching these morons just, just jump to whatever strings I pull. The next strategy, of course, to be employed by the Trump administration will be to just have Fox News and the President of the United States Tell these people who've gotten sick for attending Trump rallies and all the other things that, that the president told them they wouldn't get sick from, just have Fox News tell these sick people that they're fine. 
It's all in their head. Or, you know, maybe they're just having heart attacks instead. And we can see, who do you believe? Me or your own body? Anybody want to take some bets on that one? So, moving on. Our next subject in the news. Giving us some reason to be hopeful this week. NASCAR. Yep. I can't, you know, I first saw this story about NASCAR removing the Confederate flag from its events and said, okay, that doesn't really merit mention other than seriously, you have the Confederate flag at your events. Not really a great victory there. But of course, here's really, this, this story just demonstrates the juxtaposition in this country, the, the true divide in this country. After NASCAR banned the Confederate flag from its events, most of you have probably heard right now, a noose was left in the garage stall of NASCAR's only black driver. This is almost unimaginable to me. Seriously. It's 2020, and some fucking moron left a noose in the garage stall of the only black driver. Who does this? Like, what planet are you on? What century are you living in? Oh, right. You are living in the Trump Fox News universe. It was it was uplifting to see all the other NASCAR drivers apparently show solidarity with that black driver and push his car along the track to say, screw you. What a statement of the divide in this country. And by the way, what a statement again. When people talk about, when, when we have this false equivalence about the two sides in America, remember that the white NASCAR drivers are apparently now on my side? I'm not so sure we've got two sides in America, or that's the way I'd like to describe it. Anyway, there's been more to be hopeful for arising out of the protest movement. Uh, including Confederate flags coming down, monuments coming down all across America. One of the things that Donald Trump, of course, spoke out against at his racist rally. Uh, We have seen even the Republican Party come out with proposals to at least pay lip service to paying attention to the movement that is about to roll them over. Yes, like we talked about Trump's executive orders last week and how weak and kind of embarrassing they were, um, the, the Republican proposals are similarly weak and similarly embarrassing, but it's still proposals coming from Republicans. At least they're paying lip service. One of the big questions being asked right now uh, by pundits all across America is what should Democrats in Congress do with weak Republican Senate proposals that in some cases will actually promote some real reforms, not the reforms we need, but will move the needle in the right direction. The general belief and the general actions in in the Democratic Party have always been, you take what victories you can, we are about achieving things, not doing what it takes to win elections. That's one of the things that distinguishes the Democratic Party from the Republican Party. They actually believe in things and want to get things done. Positive things. But here, I want to weigh in on this question. Should the Democrats accept, give Republicans these small victories and then keep pushing for more? And my answer is a resounding no. Absolutely not. In this case, the Democrats 
should act like Republicans. Remember that for for eight years under Obama, Mitch McConnell led the Senate or led the Republicans in the Senate and said, we will stop everything the Democrats try to do to help this country so that the Democrats cannot get credit for doing good things for this country. Democrats don't do that. But now, in this case, Democrats need to do something like that. The Democrats cannot give Republicans their small victories. They cannot give Donald Trump his Rose Garden signing ceremony surrounded by the three black people that Republicans can manage to round up, Clarence Thomas and, and Tim Scott, and, his guy, and I guess before he leaves the House, the uh, Will Hurd, I guess, the, the black Republican in the House of Representatives. Before they put them all in front of the camera and say, gee, we like black people too, the Democrats need to hold out for real reforms. And the Democrats need to fight and say, unless you, this is a real victory, you get no victory at all. Because this election, the stakes are way too great. We cannot fool around. We cannot increase the possibility that Donald Trump will be reelected president for anything other than a dramatic victory. And the Democrats should absolutely not be giving in to Republicans on half measures to address the justifiable concerns of the justice movement. Some of my hope-inspired fears right now stem from the fact that this battle does not end on election day, and I'm concerned that the complacency will set in if we win a big victory in November. It would be Biden and the Democrats' nature to not continue the fight and to not consolidate the victory that we'd have won at the polls. And so even after the election, the pressure is going to have to continue to be applied to Biden and the Democrats to promote the progressive agenda that this country so desperately needs and will have voted for. Meanwhile, this is good news with the protests that Republicans are having to come up with some bills here at all. We're also starting to see rats starting to desert this sinking ship that is the Trump administration and the Republican Party. There is a crack in the wall where you're starting to hear some disputes that you did not hear before. You hear people speaking back against Trump. Many of those who have been complete sycophants for Trump since he got elected, including, remarkably, Lindsey Graham, with some language showing maybe enough is enough. The guy who completely rolled over for Donald Trump and showed him his belly for three and a half years has spoken up. Well, as are some of the other Republicans. Even some of the Republicans who are running for re-election are maybe starting to desert the sinking ship a little bit. Well, that just shows that after the election, we are going to hear calls from across this country, certainly from Republicans. If the Democrats win, you will hear calls from Republicans all across America for bringing the country back together. Biden, you promised to bring the country back together. Please do that. And how do I know that? Because this is what happens every time a Democrat gets elected. Republicans get elected and they divide the country as much as they can to pass whatever radical right agenda they have and do whatever they need to do to keep power. And then Democrats get elected and Republicans talk about bringing the country together. And you know who else does? So do Democrats. And after this election... We can bring this country together. We can bring this country together on a progressive agenda that benefits all of us. And we can bring this country together by raising the middle finger 
to Republicans and their right-wing agenda because they need to go to hell and spend a lot of time there. Democrats always fall for it. Well, they better not fall for it this time. And they're not going to fall for it this time only if we keep up the pressure on President Joe Biden and congressional Democrats. That's it for today's show. Barring some kind of unforeseen dramatic news event. And seriously, what are the odds of that happening? I will be back shortly with our show on how Republicans continue to enable the greatest mass killer of Americans in history. Seriously, how's that for a teaser? Until then, be well, be safe. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 